Thank you so much. It's a privilege to be here. Um, yeah, so you've heard that I'm from the Western Cape. So I just need to clear something up. You'll notice that I walk with a limp. I'm not from Mitchell's Plain. <laughs> it's not a role that I have. <laughs> As a matter of fact, uh, the 1st of June this year, it was three years since I had a stroke. And it left me sort of paralyzed on the one side and I needed to learn to walk again. And then a year later, a year and a half later on the 16th of December, I had a second stroke, so now my family calls me two-stroke. <laughs> but yeah, so just be at peace. You're not in danger. Uh, I, I don't walk like this deliberately. <laughs> uh, it's, it's just, but, but it's much better. Um, God has done an amazing thing in my life, and I'm just grateful to be able to share the Word of God. So I'm going to cut a lot away from, from what I was going to say um, because of time, uh, I'm not sure what time do you normally end. Can I get on? Okay, good, good. There we go. We are a young congregation. I believe that. I'll speak that prophetically. Um, so in the in the uh, prayer meeting, um, a word came through about rivers flowing. This came through all the time, and then even as we sang that song about the Spirit of God flowing through us and coming through into all the, the, the caverns in our hearts and all that. And I stood there and I just had this picture of this river, a mighty river flowing. But as with any big river, on the sides, it forms little eddies, quiet areas. And I've, I just saw in the, spirit, in the Spirit, I saw that some are stuck in the wreaths in those eddies. And you, 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 you're in this mighty river, but you're going nowhere. I believe God wants to, to bring you out of those reeds. You're going to have a Moses moment where God's going to take you out of the reeds. <laughs> and I believe that, that it's just a shift. It could be just a meter and you're back in the flow of things. But, you, but you, I, I firmly believe you've been stuck there for a while. And you actually became quite comfortable. But God actually, tonight, has got a divine appointment with you. He wants to deal with you. He wants to loosen you there. So that you can go with the flow of the Spirit. Is it open? Can you just open it for me, please? Thank you. So I'm going to read a scripture and uh, then we're just going to take that apart a bit and just look at what God is saying to us here tonight. It's, um, it's in Timothy, 1 Timothy 6 verse 11. 1 Timothy 6 verse 11, it says this, But as for you, O man of God, flee these things, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called and about which you, were made, which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and, Christ, and of Christ Jesus who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession to keep the commandment unstained. I want us to pay attention to that, that we keep the commandment 
unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign. That's one of the most amazing verses in the Bible. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. There's no mistake about who we're talking here tonight. Who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. Okay, I'm going to read that part. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. Amen. Fast learners. Fast learners. <laughs> I think that if we understand that scripture, if we look at that scripture and something sinks in, surely, surely I should say to myself, if I'm that person caught in the reeds, if I'm that person in that eddy, in that quiet area where the river is not really moving, I cannot remain there. Not with a God as big as this. Not with a God as awesome as this. I cannot remain there. And we've had some announcements here today about stuff that's happening, stuff that's moving forward. Uh, Josh Jen is forever growing. When, when we became part of Josh Jen two, three years ago, uh, I was leading a church and we brought it into Josh Jen. And um, then we were like, I think number 32 or number whatever. It's at 47 now. Uh, in, through COVID, right? And that's how God is moving. And for that kind of growth, we need leaders. We need people who will put their hand up and say, pick me. Not like my grandmother used to say. Please don't confuse the, the, your leaders. My grandmother, if she wanted to be part of something, then she would say, exclude me in. If she, if she didn't want to be part of it, she would say, include me out. <laughs> now, please don't make it difficult for your leaders. Let them include you in. Make it clear what your intention is. And this scripture actually shows us that if we want to be a man of God, and please, I know in times that we're living in, I've got to say a woman of God, and a child of God, and a girl child, and a boy child. Please understand that the word of God is not, when it speaks about a man of God, it's not gender orientated. It speaks about you, the follower of Christ. And so as I preach tonight, please, I'm not just speaking to the men. But it's, taking, it's going to take up a long time if I've got to go through that. Okay, man of God, woman of God, child of God. Just exclude you in. Okay. So all I'm asking you today is to do a spiritual audit of where you are in the river right now. Are you flowing? Are you on this, on this white water raft because you're in the middle of this thing? Or are you stuck somewhere twiddling your thumbs and you're just in your comfort zone and you're quite happy to be there? You see, we're not going to reach the nations like that. We're not going to reach the nations by being in our comfort zone. We need to move forward, and God is calling us. He gives us some instruction of what is expected of us. So for us to move forward, for you to become an effective saint in the kingdom of God, here's just a few 
I maybe might just get through two. But but here's just a few of of guy a few guidelines of how you should conduct yourself so that you can be an effective Christian. Firstly, it says, but you of um, as for you, O man of God, flee from these things. Now we can take our time and go through the the the, the aforementioned scriptures to the scriptures above that, and then go and pick through that and see um, what should we flee from. Unfortunately, we don't have the time tonight. So I'm going to ask you that when you go home, can take the scripture, read the passages before that, and then tell yourself, flee from that. You see, we it's it's not a we we tend. To not flee, but flirt with sin. And that's dangerous. And we often we often see sin in the same way that our European uh, 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 visitors or tourists, the way they see the big five. Right? When they come to South Africa, they want to see the big five. Like me and Stefan and those guys. Um, <laughs> They want to see the big five, right? The lion the, uh, and, and, and the elephant and, and the bubble. Okay, they want to see the big five. And then they get warned not to get out of their cars because the big five is dangerous. And they, they, they are actually scared. Of, I mean, sometimes they're stupid. They get out of their cars, take photos, can't help that, and they get eaten. And yeah, yeah. But the point is, the, the tourist attraction or, and the warning is against the big five. But do you know that most people that come to Africa die because of mosquito bites? Not lion bites. People die of malaria in Africa. And it's those mosquitoes that we tolerate in our lives that kills us. Don't just look at the big five. No murder. No adultery. I haven't robbed a bank. There are, there are little things in our lives that keep us stuck in the reeds. And God says, flee from those things. The second thing he says here, and I'm going I'm to work around that a bit, is pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness. And I want to just look at that word pursue, because sometimes we, we get it right to flee from sin. By doing nothing. And we're actually not going anywhere because we're not pursuing anything. So God is not just saying flee from sin. He says, when you get it right to flee from sin, then pursue what I have for you. And what I'd like to focus on today is what does it look like for a saint to pursue what God has for him? So we're going to have to look at two kinds of people. As I speak, constantly have two kinds of people in your mind. One, somebody who's prepared to come out of retirement, if I can call it that, because you're sitting here and you're actually in early retirement. You're not actually contributing. You're just coming here and enjoy the worship, and then you go home again. But God wants you to bring you out of early retirement so that you can make a contribution in the kingdom. So God wants to... God wants to show you that you can still make a contribution by intentionally leading somebody somewhere. There are so many young men and women in this building that wants to be led somewhere. They want to pursue something. 
but they have nobody to show them where to go or which direction to go. While there are older men and women in this building with years of experience, years of, of walking with the Lord, but you're taking nobody nowhere. God's saying, come on, I want you to be a mentor, and then I want younger people to be mentored. And that's what God wants to dislodge here today. The resistance to want to help others into the more. And also, God wants to take away the arrogance of the younger generation who says, you got nothing to teach me. So let's look at how we should follow. And that we're going to find in 2 Kings. So I'm just going to walk through this portion of Scripture in 2 Kings. Um, that's all I'm going to have time for. And, and just give us some handles on how we should follow. It says this. Now when the Lord was about to take Elijah up into heaven, and some of us are almost there, by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. Here's an older man, and he's got a younger man following him. And the first thing that we pick up is they're on their way from Gilgal. Gilgal is behind them. And Gilgal is known as the place where the second circumcision took place. After the, the people of God came through the desert and they crossed the Jordan, the first city that they, or the first little town that they got to was Gilgal before they, they took Jericho. But before God could take them into their promise, he needed to deal with their past. He needed, he needed everybody to be on the same page. Because some of the people that were, that were now in Gilgal walked along, alongside God's people, but they were never part of the covenant. The last people were circumcised in, don't worry, don't run, we, we don't do the physical anymore, it's by heart now, okay? So let's just clear that up. But the last people were circumcised before they came out. And while they were in the desert, it wasn't hygienic enough to do it there. So a lot of people that came out of Egypt were just walking along. They weren't part of the covenant. Yeah, they, were, they felt part, but when, the, when it came to eating manna, they wanted meat. When it came to doing the things of God, they, they murmured they wanted to do, to do their own things. So when they got to Gilgal, God gives Joshua the instruction say, I want you to circumcise those who has not been circumcised so they can become part. You see, all that tells me is that there might be people here today and you've walked alongside Christians for a long time. But your heart has never been circumcised. You've never dealt with the sin in your heart. You've never become part of the covenant that God has with his bride. And Gilgal, before you can walk into your promise, before you can walk into the fullness that God has for you, Gilgal needs to be behind you. You needed, you needed to have come and committed yourself to God. You needed to have come to be part of the covenant that God has for his people. 
And yet it says, in order for this older man to lead the younger man into the fullness of what God has for him, Gilgal is behind him. Even in the sense of you needed to have dealt with all the offense in your heart. Cut that away. The past pains, the past hurts, the troubles you had, that needs to be in your past. Cut away. Dealt with. And then older men, elders, leaders can lead you into the fullness of what God has for you. Often you're battling, as younger people, you're battling to walk in the fullness that God has for you because you're holding on. You're not past Gilgal yet. And you wonder why you're not moving forward. You wonder why, why the purposes of God is not enfolding for you. You've got to get that behind you. And start following men and women that has good intentions for you. That will take you to where God wants you. So here we have the first place that Elijah takes him to. And it takes him to Bethel. Now Bethel is the place where Jacob had the altercation with the angel, where he saw the ladder going up and down um, into heaven and down to earth. So it's a place of encountering God. So you need, you need older men, and you need older women, and older women and older men, you need to be available to take the younger generation to a place where they can encounter God. It's lovely to worship, it's lovely to sing praise and to jump, but there's also a place and a time where we need to take individuals to a place where they can encounter God. And I'm going to ask you as young, young people here, surround you with people that will go with you to the place of encounter, that will go with you to Bethel. I will even say, Bethel even speaks of worship. Now, surround you with men and women that can take you there. But if you as an older man or woman are still caught in that eddy, then you need to come out so you can come into the stream so that the Holy Spirit of God can come through you so that you can be the one that say, I'm going to Gilgal, are you coming with or not? We need to take our younger generation there. This man, this, uh, Elisha says, I'm not staying here. I want what God has for me, so I'll go with you to Gilgal. The second place he says to him, and I'm just going to go quickly through this, Elijah said to him, please stay here for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. Now Jericho is the place of the scarlet line. Because it's at Jericho that Rahab the harlot had to drop down a red robe, a scarlet line, to indicate where she lived. And through the scarlet line she found grace. That scarlet line saved her and her family. And it's, it's a picture of the cross. Because at the cross where Jesus hung there and he was nailed to the cross, the blood was streaming down his head. The blood was streaming out of, out of the wounds on his back and on his side, out of his face, down out of his hands and feet. And it made a scarlet line down to the ground. The, the hymn that I quoted this morning, it says, There is a fountain filled with blood. Drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilt stains. You need to be men and women, as older folks, we need to be men and women that take our younger generation back to the cross over and over, not for salvation, but so that they can appreciate what Jesus did on the cross for us. 
Sometimes for some people, what Jesus did and the fact that they accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior is, is a historical fact in their past. But, but it's not a matter of just being saved once off there and then, and then everything's fine. By grace we are saved, but by grace we are being saved. And by grace we will be saved. And we need, to, we need to be a people that will take our young men and women to the cross. And what I mean by that, we can take them to the cross by teaching them the value, the true value of taking communion. Because that's how we go back to the cross. Jesus says, do this until I come. And sometimes we, our younger folk, as, because they haven't been taught well, goes through the ritual and they take communion, they take the emblems and they get a interesting look on their face and I sometimes wonder I wonder what they're thinking because they got the pose right but I, I need them to understand that in their hands they have the proof of payment for their sin when you walk out Woolworths and it goes beep 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 what do you pull out you slip proof of payment and nobody can arrest you not guilty and sometimes the enemy comes and he wants to work amongst our young people and they need to understand the power of coming back to the cross and understanding when they take communion, they have the proof of payment in their hands. And no accusation can hold against them. But we need men and women to take these beautiful young people there. And we need young people to say, take me there. Today is a, is a matter of commitment, a matter of changing a mindset. You're not okay. You're not okay in that side drop there. You're not okay in the still waters. You're far safer where the current is moving. Because then you're going to be where God wants you to be. You need to take the people to the place of the scarlet line. And then he says to him, stay here. Uh, verse 6 is, Elijah said to him, please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. Up till now, up till now, Elisha is just following. He's pursuing what God has for him. Every step. He didn't quite walk the way I walk. I think he walked better. Um, but he was pursuing what God has for him. He was pursuing the older man. And now Elijah says to him, I'm crossing. I've got to go to the Jordan. And the Jordan speaks of the place of crossing over. The place of stepping into what God has for you. They had to cross the Jordan to get into the promised land. Here, Elijah walks to the, to the, to the river and he hits the, uh, the, the, the ground with his cloak and it opens up. And if, if Elijah stopped at Bethel, he would never have walked into what God had for him. If Elijah stopped in in, 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 uh, um, in Jericho, if he stopped in Jericho, he would not have picked up the cloak and he would not have been as effective as what he was later years. So we, we cannot, it's a, it's, a, it's a matter of following God or following our mentors who are following God into the promise that God has for us. Some of us follow for a week or two. Some of us do a year of our life. But a year is not going to get you there. A year, it's a good start. But do the year after that as well. And the year after that. Keep on following, following, 
who God has put in your life, the men and the women that will lead you into the more that God has for you. It's the place of crossing over. It's a place of going into your destiny. But there's something about every cross or every town that they went to. There's something about everything that they did. Every time, and you can go and read this in your own time. Every time that they moved on to another town, they were the, the sons of the prophets that would say to Elijah, do you know that God's going to take Elijah? Do you know that? And he would say to them, I know, be quiet. And at the end, when they get to the river, when they needed to cross into what God had for Elisha, it says, and the sons of the prophets stood a distance away, and they witnessed what happened. And guess what? They crossed, Elijah and Elisha crossed that river without the sons of the prophets. And only Elisha got a double portion. You can, these guys walked all, they tracked to see what's going to happen. But they, they walked at a distance. They didn't walk the way Elisha walked, close by. I mean, in the olden days, you walk close to your rabbi so that even the dust from his feet come onto your cloak. That's how close you walk. But here's the problem. Here's the warning tonight. Are you an Elisha? Have you made the decision that you will be led? Have you, have you come to a place and said, this is my surrender? I will be led into what God has for me. Or are you standing at a distance in a crowd to see what's going to happen? You see, Christianity is not a spectator sport. You cannot, you cannot sit in the crowd. I mean, have you watched a, a rugby test when South Africa plays New Zealand? Have you seen other people go ballistic in the, in the stands? And they can't do anything about the result. They scream, they jump, they get drunk, they hurt one another. But you've got to be on the field to make a difference. And what God is doing here tonight, He's calling you onto the field say, come participate. And these guys got close. But they never crossed the Jordan. The sons of the prophets got close. They were so close they could see the crossing. But they missed out. So I want to I challenge you young people. Are you looking from a distance? Are you actually just checking things out? Or are you going to grab a hold of what God has for you? And allow Older men and older women to speak into your life. At times, it's not going to be nice. At times, it's going to be difficult. But you know, it's going to be for the better. But then there's a responsibility that tonight God is saying to, to, the, to the older guys, are you going to be willing, like you said to Peter, to, lead my, to feed my sheep, to feed my, to lead my, oh, what's it, feed my sheep and take care of my lambs. Are you going to do that or are you going to turn around and say, Lord, what, what about him? We need tonight to get to a place where we make a commitment and say, whatever 
God asks of me, I'm going to do so that I can lead a younger person into the fullness that God has for them. And for the younger people, you need to get to a place of surrender. We always quote that scripture, you are the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me, but please don't touch me today. We're all with it up till there. But, and you want to jump off the spinning wheel the moment God starts shaping. But tonight there's a, I feel there's a grace here. There's a grace here. For those who, who want to commit their li- themselves and say, I'm going to follow. I'm going to follow hard after what God has for me. And th- those are some guys that we would like to pray for. That's fine. And then there are those. I'm not sure if, if that's what it meant when God speaks about the ancient of days, but it might be. <laughs> I might be theologically wrong if I say that's you. <laughs> but there are those of the mothers and fathers in this room. And you haven't done much lately. Maybe you think you're inadequate. Maybe you think you don't have enough. But I want to say to some fathers here today, you've got more father in you than just to father the children that you've raised by your loins. We need to father some young men and women with our hearts. Sometimes we say, well, I've got one child or two children. And we just care for the, for the kids that, that, I have to fa- that I've fathered with my loins. I'm sure I don't have to explain that. We'll, and you can interpret, eh? Um, but there's more father in you than for just the kids that you've raised so far. So I'm going to ask on this side, any young people that want to commit to be led and that commit to them more and that they will, that they will be taken into the fullness of what God has for them. You're going to gather this side and the elders will gather around you and pray for you. And, and on this side, I'm going to ask that even if you don't know how you're going to do it, but you're an older guy or older woman and God is stirring you and he wants to do it in you, I'm not even going to ask you to put up your hand. You're just going to get up and walk out here and we're going to pray for you. Is that okay? Thank you.